The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. The following is a public service announcement. Election day is near. Go to the polls and vote. Vote for the Kennedy of your choice, but vote. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into Hour 2 of the Tom Sumner Program. I was, uh, and uh, welcome to live radio, folks. I was really hoping to talk with Bill Hillman about his new memoir, The Pueblos, My Quest to Run 101 Bull Runs in the Small Towns of Spain. It uh, promised uh, a wild adventure into the culture of bull running, but... uh, Unfortunately, I'm unable to connect with Bill. I'll try to reschedule that because I think it's going to be a really fun and uh, interesting conversation. But that happens sometimes. Uh, Wires get crossed. I will have coming up in uh, just a few minutes a uh, fascinating conversation. It's an encore with Ross Terrell who uh, talks about his uh, book, Uh, From the Australian Outback to Tiananmen Square, he talks a lot about China and uh, um, U.S.-China relations, and and it's it's an interesting conversation. I hope you enjoy it, and maybe a little bit appropriate for this election day. And uh, that's right, I do want to remind people that, um, at least in Flint, where we're based, uh, the Flint City Council has a primary today. There are some millages and, and other things in some uh, 
towns and villages uh, in Genesee County and throughout the state of Michigan. Um, there's big mayor's race uh, uh, primary down in Detroit. So um, my, my point in bringing that up is that's today. So get out and, uh, you know, let your, your voice be heard. A lot of people uh, often kind of skip over primaries, and especially primaries in uh, an off-year special election like this one. But um, we really shouldn't do that, and I have always encouraged people to get out and vote. So if you haven't voted already by absentee ballot, um, get out and, and vote. And if you're not registered, Michigan does have same-day registration, and you can figure that out by contacting your local clerk. If you've decided all of a sudden you weren't going to vote, but now maybe you are, yeah, there's a way to do it. Anyway, uh, my apologies that we weren't able to uh, connect with, uh, with Bill Hillman. He is a uh, former Golden Gloves champion uh, from Chicago. And um, anyway, I'm looking forward to the conversation. So although we won't be having that today, we will try and get it scheduled sometime in the very near future. In uh, the meantime, we'll turn our attention from Mexico and what would have been Spain to China with uh, Ross Terrell coming up next. <music> Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner program, and my uh, my guest this hour has a uh, Ph.D. in political science from Harvard, where he uh, serves as uh, an associate in research at Harvard's Fairbanks Center for Chinese Studies, and he is the author of 11 books on China. His new memoir is called Australian Bush to Tiananmen Square, and I'm talking about... Uh, Ross Terrell, who joins me by phone. Good morning, Ross. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Glad to be here. Now, I I wanted to try and squeeze into your introduction that you've been visiting China almost annually since 1964. That's true. And that was nearly a decade before then-President Richard Nixon's famous trip to China. Has, it, has, has China changed with regard to um, people visiting China, whether it was probably in the early days, in your case, from Australia, but uh, from the U.S.? It's changed enormously. In the 60s, uh, uh, American could not go to China, and wasn't allowed by Washington to go to China. From Australia, it was difficult, but not impossible. Australia sold wheat to China. That was the one strand of connection between the two countries. But as a young uh, Australian, I had to seek permission from the Australian government to go in 1964. They gave me permission, and off I went, just about penniless. But, Tom, the main point about then was that Mao was still alive and he hadn't unleashed the Cultural Revolution, this big leftist push 
that destroyed much in China. So it was a calm but uh, rigidly constricted society in 1964. Then after Mao died... Uh, Deng Xiaoping, the second big leader of, of communist China, he buried Maoism without announcing what he was doing. And he opened the door to foreign uh, trade and uh, later investment. So the, the Nixon-Kissinger opening of 71-72, which I was also, I was involved in, it uh, indirectly paved the change for the better when China became more open and uh, suddenly people could go uh, back and back and forth. Now, the third phase which we're in now is that China's become very successful economically, but it's starting to throw its weight around. Rising powers uh, tend to do that, and China's become the second biggest economy in, in the world, surpassing Japan. All this has happened in the last uh, decade or so. And, and we hear about China all the time, but what in the news, mostly because of uh, trade relations with China, um, what are some of the things that we're getting wrong, or or what information are we not getting? Well, uh, first, uh, Americans have never had more information about China than they do today. And Chinese are flocking here to study by the hundreds of thousands, proving the attraction of America and the attraction of our best uh, universities and, and colleges. But uh, the Chinese, uh, I would liken it, I would call it China Inc., there's no division, ultimately, between business and politics in China. That's the big problem. Mr. Trump uh, started a long overdue toughening up with China. And he did a bit uh, uh, to balance the trade. However, he, he came up against China Inc. That is to say, a China... A Chinese company is not free from political influence the way, say, uh, Microsoft or GE. Here they have relations with Washington, but uh, typically they don't take orders. It's a consultative relation. But in China, even if you're Jack Ma, the richest man in China, uh, head of Alibaba, even if you're Jack Ma, they rein you in, they have reined Jack in, because he's getting too big. China's very fond of small business, but they're terrified when a small business gets big. 
Uh, how much is this this notion, um, Ross, of of China Inc. a direct result of the the post Mao uh, cultural revolution? It's not a direct result. Uh, it's it's a direct result of all communist systems. Now, I said Deng Xiaoping. Uh, buried Maoism. That means he, he buried the idea of class struggle, uh, but he didn't bury Leninism. Leninism is different from Marxism. Leninism uh, is about one-party rule. One party dominates every section of society. And the present leader of China, Xi Jinping, has said it out, out loud. The party controls everything. He went to the media uh, and told them that their, their, their last name should end in party because <laughs> they're under the party's control. I mean, this is pretty... Uh, blatant. However, she says we we can't have this great progress that we're making. We can't extend it unless we have order. So his his mantra is order, and he's in charge of of keeping order. This has meant a, a, a contraction of freedoms of all kind. Uh, under she, that means over the past eight or nine years. More with Ross Terrell uh, from Harvard about his uh, memoir, Australian Bush to Tiananmen Square, straight ahead. comes along that's spreading like a plague and POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague. Well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well unless you want to bid our free society farewell. There is a Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now, back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docks were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. Super damn important that we practice isolation, because we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised. Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the last until July. Oh, super bad, transmittable. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Everybody's doing. 
it on a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place 
with magical charms indoors 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 take it away hi this is deb cherry genesee county treasurer and you're listening to the tom sumner radio show more with Ross Terrell uh, from Harvard about his uh, memoir, Australian Bush to Tiananmen Square, straight ahead. The efforts of uh, President Nixon and uh, Henry Kissinger, um, how much did that open China to the West? It was tremendously important, though... Uh, Henry, who was my teacher when I first came as a student to Harvard from Australia, Henry wasn't very interested in trade and he didn't know much about economics. He uh, was a balance of power man, and and Nixon was too. And the thing they wanted was to get leverage against the Soviet Union. And... uh, China wanted the the leverage against the Soviet Union too. So that was that was the nature of the Nixon uh breakthrough. However, it did uh open up a new view of China in America. I was on uh CBS in New York day and night doing Nixon's visit, and uh, it was extraordinary, Tom. The people called in, one athlete wanted to run along the Great Wall. Could I help him do that? The Cleveland Museum called up. They wanted exchanges with museums in in China. The Harvard student, uh, Orsman, wanted to have a, a race along the Mississippi with the, some Chinese uh, student in their canoes. Everyone started to think the Chinese were, were human beings, and uh, uh, trade eventually began, even though Nixon and Kissinger were not mainly concerned with, with trade. Well, these days, and... Maybe I know the answer to this, but um, Donald Trump during his campaign and his presidency and and others have labeled China the number one threat to the U.S. And I I wonder how it went from those experiences uh, immediately following the Nixon trip to this huge threat where we consider China as uh, suspect in uh, government computer hacking attacks and, uh, and, and other things. Is, is that, that idea that China is the enemy, did that come out of trade or politics? Well, uh, it's a good question, Tom, and... The answer is two points which are very different from each other. The the first point is simply the size of China, 1.4 billion people. You know, we talk about Iran as a threat 
Iran, 40 times smaller than China. It's hard to, to credit just how big uh, China is. And 10 million people here or 20 million people there is nothing to China. Now, both Australia and Taiwan are being pressured by China at the moment. And if they wanted to legally or otherwise swamp Australia or Taiwan with Chinese people, they'd transform the country. So size. Now, the second point is that the very uh, approach to a semi-market economy as we all know here, or we should know, produces prosperity. And tentative as it was at first, the size of China plus uh, opening to market forces in the allocation of resources within China and in economic relations with the world, those two things explain. Of course, uh, a rising power uh, worries the present number one power. We're the number one in the United States, and China's rising and getting closer. I mean, this is history. But, by the way, we shouldn't only talk about the rise of China. We should talk about what happens to rises. Well, they can fall. <laughs> and uh, Japan r rose in the 1920s and uh, started to throw their weight around, including bombing my uh, native country, Australia, in, in 1941. So uh, they overreached. Dramatic fall. Germany did the same thing. The rise of Germany in the 1930s was incredible. Everyone thought uh, that was it. They never talked about uh, how it might end. Now, democracies have had a far better history of rises. When America rose early in the 20th century, Britain was number one, and that change which was completed uh, by World War II, that change for Britain was relatively calm and peaceful and accepted. The British has had a great influence on the world, their law, their education, uh, their language, and uh, the enmity that once existed between uh, Britain and America was was overcome. So uh, rises don't have to end uh, badly and dramatically, but they, they have so far mostly done that when they've been autocracies. When you look back, the Soviet Union <laughs> was a mixed bag. I mean, uh, I think it was amazing that uh, partly through President Reagan's uh, strength and his uh, disdain for communism, how the Soviet Union 
came to an end without a, a, a major conflagration, and it produced a Russia that isn't, isn't entirely to our taste, but uh, the, the, the component parts of the Soviet Union, uh, Tajikistan and uh, Uzbekistan and so on, they've become separate countries without uh, a war having produced it. So, rise and fall, yes, well, China's rising, and uh, uh, we don't know how the rise, will the rise just slow down? It's certain to slow down economically, but now they are strong militarily too, especially the Navy. How it will end, Tom, in my view, even Xi Jinping himself doesn't know. He's got a lot of problems. He's taking a lot of risks. He's got this Belt and Road that he calls it, which is really a sort of version of Chinese imperialism. Belt and Road, and he's stretching all the countries he can into a Chinese-led development. Uh, even Serbia in in Europe is is in the Belt and Road. It's a, it's an absurd concept. Little Samoa and other Australian neighbours in the South Pacific, far from China, they've drawn Samoa into the Belt and Road. Well, there are many belts and there are many roads in the world, and China can't uh, declare that she's the boss of of a, a vague notion called Belt and Road. So uh, they're taking some risks, and uh, once again, I, I, I think it's not clear whether the rise will continue fast, whether it will slow down, or whether it might uh, come to an end. Ross, over the last couple decades, uh, people have been fearing that China would end up being the number one economy in the world. And the, as they move toward that, is that a goal of China or just the natural um, path of growing economies? Both. But whether it happens... And it may, it's not certain to happen. But if it does happen, it will be partly because uh, we've been uh, shooting ourselves in the foot, uh, to use a, a Chinese term. If, if we, we should emphasize two things in our policy toward China. Our interests, and our interests include being strong economically and our will the the will to be number one a lot of Americans especially intellectuals they don't like this idea they're so critical of uh, our history and everything else uh, they've lost the, the will 
but it needs to be present if we're going to keep ahead and, and be number one. I think it should be our aim. I th George W. Bush, uh, in his military reports, he, he uh, stated, the Pentagon under George W. Bush stated that America must uh, uh, preserve its position as military number one. How much of uh, how much modernization has occurred in China? Tremendous. The, the, because we I still went, we uh, still see pictures, Ross, of China as as being almost all farming, and I I I just sense that there's a different China that we we don't see. Well, it's true. Your point is very good because the visitors to China, 90% uh, of them, don't go to the Chinese countryside. However, the countryside has shrunk because the demand for labor in the coastal areas where manufacturing became the powerhouse for China's progress through exports, and we took a lot of exports. Japan did, Australia did. Uh, Australia buys copper, iron ore, uh, uranium from uh, from China. So the, the manufacturing area took labor, and farmers left the farms in big numbers to go to the coast and work, and they'd send back money to the f relatives in the farms. The result is China's roughly now about 50-50. 50% are still in farming and 50% are, are in, in cities and towns. This is, a, this is a big change in China. Now, the skyscrapers are all uh, on the coast in Shanghai and southern China, and it, it's it's real, and the bullet trains are real, and the the, the highways and the the taste in automobiles now in China. Everyone wants a car, and <laughs> so if you're in Beijing, you can't drive your car every day because the roads can't take it. So you have to have two days where you're not allowed to drive your car and everyone knows their days and there'll be more and more of this and it's not easy this kind of you call it modernization uh, Beijing can be swathed in smog at times you can't see two blocks I in the city and, and they're wearing masks and <laughs> not because of a coronavirus, but because of the smog, or a bit of both. Let's um, talk about that for, for just a moment, Ross, the, the coronavirus and some of the misconceptions that people in the U.S. have about where it came from, whether it was leaked from a lab, whether it was part of a, a wet market um, exposure. What what is your sense of of what happened? Well, I don't know the medical facts. I do know the political facts about China Inc. 
that we spoke of a moment ago. And China Inc. means that all the research in Wuhan about viruses, and it's considerable, uh, is, is under the control of the Communist Party, and they will uh, release what they want to release, and they will withhold what they wish to withhold. The virus certainly emerged from the Wuhan area, and uh, whether it was through the, the wild animals, which people eat, in, buy them in the markets, they're killed on the spot, and take them home and grill them. That has caused uh, many epidemics in, in China, old and, and new. But uh, in my think? opinion, Xi Jinping should say in a major speech, if it's the truth, that uh, China doesn't know 100% either which of these is true. But it's possible that it was an accident in the Wuhan laboratories. If he said that, uh, saying that it was possible, I think a lot of the pressure on China and uh, Biden's futile attempt to appoint a committee that will come up with nothing conclusive, uh, I think that that would be better for everyone. But it's risky for him to say that it's possible. Of course, he would rule out that it was intentional, but that an accident in the lab, in the lab is possible, as it is. But China says it's not, and they want to blame America for sending frozen food to China with a virus in it. I mean, this is this is very damning way of showing they're nervous about it. And and about that nervousness in PR, you talk about the uh, Tiananmen Square massacre and 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 the empty streets following that. Um, that event really shocked the world. Was it there? Did. Was there a reaction? Was there a reaction from the leadership in China about the bad PR that that created around the world? They took a deep breath. They lived with it. They kept their mouths shut for a while. And Deng Xiaoping, who was still in charge, he had the wisdom to not move further left but to move to the right and uh, to have more markets more opening up and that helped to the Chinese to limit the number of years they needed to recover from that and, but it's it's amazing now that Xi Jinping thinks that it wasn't such a big deal, and their their method has been to recover from it by stressing economic progress and betting that the people w will settle for a, a good 
uh, full stomach and gadgets in the <laughs> kitchen. And of course, it, it's it, there's truth in it too. And but but uh, economic growth has to go on. If it if it slows down, people get discontented. So it's a tightrope of its own. But the the 1989 mood of uh, Students on the march and intellectuals wanting more freedom. Uh, that's gone. More with Ross Terrell uh, from Harvard about his uh, memoir, Australian Bush to Tiananmen Square, straight up. <laughs>
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? A COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Say, objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. 
Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with Ross Terrell uh, from Harvard about his uh, memoir, Australian Bush to Tiananmen Square, straight ahead. My guest is Ross Terrell, and he uh, has a new memoir called Australian Bush to Tiananmen Square. And Ross, um, a, a couple of things. One, one last thing about uh, the the coronavirus, um, because of of speculation and and probably some misinformation as well that was promoted in the U.S. A lot of people uh, th- there have been attacks on Asian Americans. Um, uh, uh, well, the, 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 that's been exaggerated by part of the media. The, there was still, there is still no evidence that the that the nasty man in Atlanta uh, killed those ladies because they were Asians. The media suggested, and then the other part of the media take a suggestion as a likelihood, and after a week they've all concluded it was a certainty that his animosity was toward. Asians. The evidence has never been there. That's why they stopped talking about that that uh, that wretched uh, man. No, the, my Chinese American friends, my Asian American friends in Boston, uh, around this great country, they they know they're not. Uh, discriminated against or made special targets. I mean, anyone who is different uh, can be a target. Well, uh, we've, we've people seen hear it. my Australian accent. I mean, <laughs> where's he from, you know? And, and uh, black people uh, have certainly experienced this, and, and uh, Japanese are mocked for speaking English in a strange way. You, you can't eliminate discrimination from human life, but the Asian Americans are relatively well off. Ross, this uh, new book, Australian Bush to Tiananmen Square, is uh, a memoir for you. And, and I guess um, I'm wondering if, if you have a favorite anecdote. I, I suppose all of the anecdotes are favorites, and that's how they made it into the book, but but do a couple stand out to you? Well, when I met the Premier, Joe Lai, this is back in the 70s, in the Nixon-Kissinger period, uh, I spoke to him in Chinese, and he, he laughed, and he said, where did you learn to speak Chinese, and I said to the Prime Minister, uh, in America, and Joe and I laughed again, and he said, "Uh, that's wonderful, an Australian comes to Harvard and learns Chinese there, (laughs) and several times (laughs) through the evening he thought this was kind of amusing or maybe he thought it's impressive this is 
This is some kind of globalization before its time. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Um, Ross, we're, we're almost out of time. but Yeah, I've got to, I've got to leave in a minute too, Tom. Um, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and, and what we've been talking about. But, but well, they should, they should buy my book. It's an e-book or it's a paperback. And, and either way, it's easy, easy to get it online. You uh, put it on your Kindle. Uh, the bookshops are in a bad way in this country, as everyone knows, sure. and many other uh, shops and some of them are closing. So online is is the best way to buy it. Is there, do you have a, a website where people could find out more about it, you I and I your do. work? I do, rossterrell.com. That's R-O-S-S-T-E-R-R-I-L-L.com. Well, Ross, thank you so much for sharing your time with uh, me and the listeners this morning. It's uh, been an honor It's been and a pleasure, and you, your questions and your thoughts uh, are very interesting, and I think they will be to your listeners as well. Well, take care, Ross, and keep up the you good too. work. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was uh, Ross Terrell. Um, he is an associate in research at Harvard's Fairbanks Center for Chinese Studies and the author of 11 books on China and now has uh, a memoir. His new book is uh, Australian Bush to Tiananmen Square. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. <music> Inspired of a warning voice that comes in the night. 
and repeats in my head. Don't you know, little book, you never can win. You show mentality. Come Before I begin now Hey little darling said I got you I got you, I got you Oh my, my skin
Alexander Zanjic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. Tom Sumner.